What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Um, this is the final episode of the year, 2020, a year which, um, well, I'll talk about what kind of year it was in a second. Um, first, let me say uh, the guest on today's show, uh, I am very, 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 very honored uh, to have Tom Piccolo on to speak about the Knicks. And I, I, if it sounded like I was thinking for a second um, to make sure that I pronounced uh, his last name correctly, that's because I was. And um, that is not a bit that is very genuine. And you will uh, know what I'm talking about in a few minutes when you hear the interview. Um, and uh, as I'll also uh, share uh, on the interview with Tom, I have a little bit of news where Tom is concerned. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, this was a, a year. This was a year. <laughs> this this was a year. 2020 is a year that um, I, I think, you know, Nick's fandom aside, I, I can't imagine that there's anybody listening to this podcast who is ever going to forget this year for reasons that uh, I, I, I care not to talk about uh, on this podcast because... I'm in a good mood right now and I hope everybody else listening out there is in a good mood. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a rough year and I just, I, I want to say, you know, very briefly that I know a lot of people have reached out to me over the last several, you know, whatever it's been months, I guess, and said that they appreciated the fact that, through it all, uh, you know, this podcast has been there for them and other people have, have shared similar thoughts about the newsletter. And uh, I, I just I want to say that one that is beyond meaningful to me as someone who, you know, <laughs> puts puts a little bit of time into this stuff. I, I know I said last week with Jeremy that we don't we don't plan out um, <laughs> these podcasts that we that we do uh, every Sunday. Um, partially because we don't need to, because we think about this stuff uh, way, way too much. But also the truth is that I don't really have, <laughs> I don't really have an extra 10 minutes in my week. Um, and every spare second minute uh, hour that I have um, is not a spare minute because it's, it's going towards, towards trying to, you know, make good stuff. And the reason I do that is for, is for you all. And, and I, I want to say thank you. Because I am just this. This is why I started by saying this is a tough year for me to talk about, because while this year has been so awful for so many reasons and, to, you know, for so many people, for me, this was the year where I finally got to sit back and, and be proud of what I do. And I say this as someone who, you know, went to college and went to law school and practiced and has been a, a teacher and, you know, done whatever else. And um, not once have I ever found felt one hundredth the amount of satisfaction um, professionally or really honestly in any capacity in life other than with my family as I have this year. And again, that is because of you, every one of you who spends even, you know, five minutes a week listening to this pod. Uh, you are the reason that I am now, for the first time in my life, able to go to sleep at night with um, a clear head and, and feeling good about 
you know, what I've been able to accomplish in this, in this world. So, you know, I just, again, thank you to everybody who has been a part of that this year. And I, I am sorry to everybody listening who has had a really difficult year. And I hope that next year is a lot better. Um, because I mean, it can't be much worse. Right. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's, it, I'm recording this now at 3 PM on new year's Eve. Um, the next time you hear an episode of this podcast, it'll be after January 1st and onwards and upwards. Uh, I also just want to take a, a brief second to say a few thank yous. Um, first and foremost, and I did this on Twitter the other day, but I feel like I need to do it again in this venue because um, the person who produces this podcast, Andrew Claudio, you know, came aboard a little bit more than a year ago. And uh, he has, as far as I'm concerned, completely revolutionized everything that we do um, at, at KFS. He has turned it from me uh, dicking around at my kitchen table uh, to, you know, me feeling like, okay, this is a real professional thing that we're doing. And um, he puts more time and energy and effort into producing these podcasts and producing the YouTube videos um, as anyone. Um, and, it, and as I say that I am, I am, I receive a text from Andrew reminding me to remind you that, uh, if you want to get my thoughts on, uh, the Knicks game that is about to be played in a few hours in which they are facing off against the Toronto Raptors, um, be sure to check out the Knicks film school YouTube channel because, um, I'm not always going to be able to get a chance to do the post game, um, recaps for the podcast. However, you can always check out my post-game periscopes because we throw those up on YouTube right after the game. So if ever you want to hear my inane thoughts about uh, the basketball that the uh, New York Knickerbockers have just played, go to the Knicks Film School YouTube channel and do me a favor and subscribe while you're there because um, we're really trying to build that into something uh, big and, and good and special. Uh, so thank you to Andrew Claudio. Uh, thank you also to the person who is on roughly half of these episodes with me, Jeremy Cohen. Uh, I... Um, I, you know, again, at one point in time, I did not take this, um, y you know, as seriously as I do now. And I was just kind of like, okay, well, I'll get guests when I need to get guests. And the fact that I have someone now that I could rely on to talk with every week and who will show up no matter, you know, come hell or high water every Sunday, we usually record Sunday at five o'clock, sometimes now after games, um, that has been just awesome. And uh, I know all of you out there love Jeremy. I love Jeremy. So I just want to, you know, say thank you to him. Uh, also, thanks to Spencer Perlman. Um, not only is he a frequent guest on this podcast, um, but he is, as I tweeted today, the smartest basketball person I know. And he just got um, a very nice promotion um, where I, I should say not a promotion. He got hired. <laughs> he got a job in basketball working full time. It's a long time coming. And uh you know, it's well-deserved. Uh, there's honestly too many people for me to thank specifically, but just the last person I do want to note, um, and, and thanks, you know, to everybody who has appeared as a guest on this show, including everybody who helped donate and raise money to uh, Higher Heights for America. I appreciate all of you. Uh, but I just last, lastly need to thank Jeff Ballone. Um, Nick's Film School is not mine. It is not something I created. If you are a new listener to this podcast, you may not know that, but Nick's Film School is a still in my mind, a Twitter account that was created and run by JB. Um, and sometime I, I lose track of the days, but sometime he essentially, you know, handed that name over to me and said, run with it. And um, now it's become a daily newsletter. It's become this podcast. It's become the YouTube channel. And I, I, I don't, I don't think JB would mind me saying this. He has like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously the, the newsletter is making, um, is a subscription thing now. Uh, shameless plug, go subscribe to that. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to turn this into, into something bigger and better. <laughs> JB has never, despite my trying to force it on him, JB has never asked for a dime for any of this. He is a living saint. And I don't know uh, how I got lucky enough to, to make a friend as good as him, but um, I just, you know, it, it would be strange of me to do a bunch of year end thanks and not uh, and not include JB in that in that list of folks. So thank you, JB. Um, and then. 
Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I'm excited to see the Knicks try to go above 500 tonight. I uh, did not take the time to see when is the last time that the Knicks were above 500. Um, I do not believe it ever happened last year. I don't think it happened the year before that. It feels like it's been a while. Um, But if they do it tonight, I'll be excited. We're going to get to see Austin Rivers. It sounds like like we are probably going to get to see Emmanuel quickly. It sounds like probably going to get to see Alec Burks. Um, so I think we have some interesting rotation questions on the horizon. If I had to wager a guess, and I realize I am wagering this guess four and a half hours before I am inevitably proven wrong. Um, I would, I would say that we are going to see this. Well, we are going to see the same starting lineup almost certainly. And then I think we're going to see a, a, a backup five, comprised of because Frank Nilakina is out um, comprised of um, Alec Burks. If he plays, I'm assuming he will Austin rivers, uh, Emmanuel quickly, um, Kevin Knox and Nolan's Noel. And I think that's pretty safe to assume. I think he's going to go with a 10 man rotation. And then at some point, Obi Toppin is going to come back and then, uh, the shit is really going to hit the fan. And um, it sounds like it's going to be another week or so before he can even participate and, and start getting ramped back up. So they have some wiggle room to work with. Is that enough time for a trade? Probably not. Uh, but I would just say to every Nick fan, let's enjoy this. There are no rotation complaints to be made right now. Everything is, the team is playing hard. For the most part, they are playing well. Um, if they could get a win tonight, all the better go into the new year, um, with an above 500 record, that would be, boy, that would be something else. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good time to be a Nick fan. And then just the last thing I'll say, I think famous last words, but here goes, I think 2021 is going to be the best year to be a Nick fan in a very, 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 very long time. And I say that with some trepidation, but I also feel pretty good about it because Leon Rose has now been in this job for all intents and purposes. I mean, this was really announced in the middle of February. So he's had 10 and a half months to kind of go about this thing. Right. Um, he has stayed steady the whole time and I'm, I'm writing about it a little bit in the Friday's newsletter. He has not rushed. He has not caved under the pressure to make this team better right away. Um, he seems to be taking a measured approach. And I think that will pay off for him at some point sooner rather than later. Because the thing about the NBA is opportunities come up and it may not always be, and there have been opportunities that have come up in the league since he has taken over and he has not been able to take advantage of those opportunities because that was, they were not the right time for this team to take advantage of those opportunities. I think there will be an opportunity for him to take advantage of this year that will be right for this franchise, for where they are at. And I think this upcoming draft is going to be a very, very, very significant moment in this franchise's history. I know people right now are, you know, picking nits about Tyrese Halliburton versus Obi Toppin. And to be frank, I don't really care. Um, I think Obi Toppin's going to be fine. I think Halliburton's a nice player. That's not going to define this franchise. Quite frankly, nothing, nothing they did do over the last several months is going to come to define this franchise. If anything, things they didn't do may come to define it more than things they did do. Um, but this upcoming draft is going to be big. And I think there's, I think it's going to be a good year. I think it's going to be a good year. I think the right people are in place. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the type of stuff that I, I could, you know, put in a source to say section of the newsletter. But everything that I have heard, you know, coming from people who I trust know about a little bit about the inner workings of, of what's going on behind the scenes, things are looking up. And things are running, perhaps most importantly, from a fan's perspective, and I still am a fan first and foremost, I think things are running functionally and coherently behind the scenes. And there is, a, there is you know, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. But I think there is a, a plan in place and is not, you know, uh, a hope and a prayer, which, you know, 
sorry, Steve Mills, but that's kind of what that was. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to. Um, and I hope you guys and gals um, stay along for the ride because uh, what a ride it has been. What a ride I think it will continue to be. I always say it. I always say it to JB. God forbid this team ever gets good, right? We've been, we've been, we've all been creating content about this team for some time now, and they have just been the absolute worst team. And God forbid they ever get good. Then I think we're going to really have some fun. And I think out there for you listening to this, I think it's going to be fun for, for all of us um, uniformly. So uh, I appreciate you listening to my little diatribe. I hope, uh, I hope you didn't mind. I, I try not to do this too often, but sometimes I feel there is a need. And uh, as the year ended, um, I, I did, I did feel there was a need today. A quick word from our friends. So we had some, we had a, a, the injuries keep piling up. They, they, you know, it's, it's, it must be these, these ad reads. Um, Alec Burks missed the game. Hopefully he will be back for new year's Eve. Hopefully Emmanuel quickly will be back for new year's Eve, but injuries are a part of sports. So, you know, guys get hurt, but they recover. But when one of us is injured because of someone else's negligence, it can be a life-changing event. And when it happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want to be just another file on a shelf with hundreds of others. And you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi gives every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. It limits the number of clients they represent at one time. And it has a long track record of success taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court. And while prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, you can learn more about Faruqi and Faruqi by going to nylegalteam.com. One more time, that is nylegalteam.com. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast, uh, he is a returning guest. He has been on uh, the show uh, quite a few times and more than that, he has uh, contributed to Nick's Film School back when we had a website, um, and uh, we'll be contributing to Nick's Film School again, uh, but we're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, you could hear him as one of the, the hosts, the many co-hosts of Talking Nick's, um, part of the uh, uh, John Boy uh, Network. Shout out to them. They're doing great work. Um, he's a contributor to uh, Daily Knicks for um, the original Knicks Film School himself, JB. And once again, he's going to be doing um, some stuff on the regular now for Knicks Film School. Tom Piccolo. Did I get the last name right? <laughs> oh, man. We just had such a talk about it. Piccolo. Piccolo. Piccolo God damn it. God <laughs> All damn good, it. man. What is that, this? I, I even know P. P-I-C in capital letters. And I can't pick a low, pick a low, pick a low. Tom, pick a low. That's it. <laughs> now maybe Jonathan, I'll never forget. Thank you for having me, man. It's good to be here. Um, I, I don't, you're, you have, even though it's been a while, I don't think of you as a guest. I think of you as just somebody I could shoot the shit with about the Knicks, even though I can't pronounce your last name for some reason. Um, hey, no offense taken and uh, not feel feel the same way. And yeah, when you when you list out all my accomplishments there are just like credentials. It feels pretty. What's, what's the, the Costanza line? Like you take everything I've done in my life and condense it down into one day. <laughs> it looks decent. I think. Well, you also, as as many of us do, um, have stuff that you do aside from Nick's content creation, which we we don't we talked about for a while before, so we don't have to talk about it now. But you are um, one of the more accomplished individuals that I ever get a chance to talk to um, on this podcast or anywhere. Um, but even aside from that, your Knicks stuff is great, which is why before we actually talk about the Knicks, um, I, I don't know, how should we do this? Um, so I, I would like to formally announce um, that Tom will be um, contributing, I think on a, on a fairly regular basis to the Knicks film school newsletter um, because I, I tweeted it a week or two ago. I think he is the best um, Nick's content creator out there. I always learn something from everything he writes. And um, I think you will learn something from stuff that he writes too, as well as stuff that he says, which is why I have him on the podcast now. Um, so uh, welcome aboard, Tom. <laughs> Congratulations. First of all, thank you very much. No, I'm, I'm super excited to be working with you. I will say that when you use superlative words like best, I, I, I can't, I can't go along with that in good faith. Like I, I do appreciate that you're. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Your Knicks optimism kind of, you know, trickles down to your, 
your feelings towards my writing. No, I, I definitely appreciate that. Though. It's my pleasure. Trust me. Um, okay. So I wanted to, we, we had talked about doing this podcast for a little while and I wanted to hold off until the Knicks uh, got, you know, a fair number of games on their belt because I feel like your analysis is so good that I, I didn't want to waste it on just like preseason games or just like the first or second game. So now we have four games and I'm sitting here and um, I'm wondering like, okay, there's a few different directions we could go. And yet I still feel like four games in, I'm not a hundred percent sure what's real and what's fake. I've, I, and in full disclosure, we're recording this at five 30 on uh, what is today? Wednesday night. Uh, New Year's Eve, Eve, as it were. Um, and I just spent the last two hours watching clips uh, or watching film of the Knicks uh, defense against the Cavs uh, last night in which they gave up 80, whatever it was, 86 points, 85 points, something like that. Nice number. They're ranked 10th in the league in defensive efficiency as we sit here and record this podcast. And yet, um, I'm not sure if it if it's right for us to sit here and be like, wow, let's talk about the Knicks awesome defense. So do you want to start there and we could go from there? Yeah, let's talk about the Knicks defense. I mean, one thing we were talking about on Twitter a little bit was just how real their three-point defense has been this season. Because I think you noted that they actually have like the best three-point defense in the league right now. And uh, we were kind of just trying to figure how that's the case and whether that's actually even remotely sustainable. Um, and so uh, one stat I dug up is that the Knicks opponents are shooting just 26% on wide open threes and that the Knicks are actually giving up 22 wide open threes per game, which is, so that's not just the lowest percentage in the league, but also the second highest number of wide open threes allowed per game. So that's, that's pretty damning in terms of, uh, like, <laughs> And I think, you know, I think your counterpoint on, on Twitter was like, maybe those wide open threes are to the right players. You want to be giving up these threes to guys who, you know, you're conceding threes to guys who maybe you want to have uh, take those wide open threes. Yeah, a, a little bit. And then I, I you know, I wa- so I watched the Cavs game. And I don't know if that's a really the best example, because I'm not sure that the Cavs have anybody that you'd necessarily say is worth like fearing. I know Sexton was what was he last year? 38, 39%, it, whatever. It was a good number, but I don't think anybody at this point um, categorizes Colin Sexton as like a, a dead eye three point shooter. Um, and, you know, Milwaukee had just a very off night, but again, with their, with their lineup now, it's like they're, I'm not, you know, I, I don't know that there's even anybody there now that I really fear. Um, so this is going to be really interesting when they play a team that has guys that like, you know, that, that have gravity, right. That, that can really extend the floor. I just, I, I guess where I'm torn and I'm curious what your opinion on this is, is like, clearly this is by design. I, I'm, and I, when I say that, I mean, Tibbs wants to wall off the paint, which we could talk about in a sec, because that hasn't been happening for a variety of reasons, but he wants to wall off the paint and he knows they're going to give up threes and he wants to make those threes as difficult as possible, but he's going to concede the fact that look, in all likelihood, they are going to give up a lot of three point shots. He just wants to make them more difficult. So I, I kind of, I, I, I'm okay with that approach for a young team. And I also understand that there's going to be some growing pains, like just from a philosophical, like this is one of the youngest teams in the league. He plans on being here for a number of years building the thing from the ground up, all of that stuff. Are you okay with kind of the approach or, or would you, you know, do something differently in your, in your perfect world? No, I, I think that I'm with you. Like the approach does make sense conceding these threes. I mean, I, I think that, you know, you, you hear these teams like the Bucks and the Raptors who give up all these three point attempts, but consistently have one of the best defenses in the league. I think, um, what was it, Zach Lowe talking on his podcast about the Van Gundy brothers being sort of enamored with that, with that yeah. Bucks defense model. And yeah, it, it makes sense insofar as you actually are walling off the paint and, and doing just that. And I think, you know, probably the, the bigger issue is that the Knicks have just been giving up so many points in the paint. Um, some of that is due to, uh, you know, points off turnovers and the Knicks yeah. have been turning the ball over a lot Other teams are going the other way and getting a lot of easy layups and dunks that way. But even in half court and transition, like they are still giving up a lot of shots at the rim. Um, and, and I think that's probably the bigger concern 
uh, long term than even the three the three point shooting is because well, we know that teams are going to start hitting more shots against the Knicks. So like yeah, that's not, close to that thing. Yeah, that's not the concern. It, it's it's more uh, those looks at the rim. Yeah, and it's um it's interesting because they have obviously so they have Mitchell Robinson and I, you know we could talk about Mitchell for a second because there's I think there's a disconnect amongst so I feel like the national media looks at Mitch and they're and they're like oh he's just a guy that will get numbers in terms of his block shots he's not a good defender yet. And then fans look at him and he's like, oh, he should have made the old defense team last year. And I think the truth on Mitch lies somewhere in between. I think he's more than just a shot blocker. I think he has made progress in other areas. I think I've personally been impressed with him this year. But at the same time, you know, to to act like he is ever going to be of the level of a Rudy Gobert, who is the maybe uh, is there anybody else in the league who's like a walking like he's he's you're you have a top ten defense if Rudy Gobert's on your team because he's just your teams aren't going to score at the rim. Like is you know other than him, I don't know if there's anybody else. So it's it's like an unfair comparison. But like Mitch isn't that yet. Certainly, whether he can ever get there, we'll see. But you have him, and this has been happening already. And and I think I don't know. Part of me is like it's partially the matchups, like Sabonis, Embiid, Drummond. Um, Giannis are just, they're not great matchups for, for Mitch, but the other part is like, I, you know, is this like Julius Randall's the other guy who's played and Obi Toppin, who we haven't seen a lot of, but like, you know, let's stick with Randall. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the ceiling? Like, what's the ceiling of this team as like a, a team who's going to like, you know, wall off the paint. I'm just, I'm not sure what that answer is. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and I'm looking at the stats right now, and it looks like they are 22nd in rim protection, allowing about 66% uh, field goal percentage at the rim this year. So, I mean, 22nd is nothing right home about. That's, it. it's also that's not- field goal. That's the percentage at the rim. There, uh, the frequency is like tw- I looked it up before on cleaning the glass. It's 25th or 26th. It's not. It's not what you want. Yeah, and in terms of actual just raw attempts per game, uh, NBA.com has them uh, 28th. Um, yeah, so that's they, not... they are giving up. They're giving up a lot of looks to the rim. No, no question about it. Um, I mean, I, I was checking out Randall's stats, and last year he was towards the bottom of the league in uh, in rim protection among bigs. I think only Kevin Love had a worse um, allowed field goal percentage at the <laughs> rim. So, like, he was he was really bad last year at that. But we've seen this year, like, he's kind of a different player. So, well, if, on offense. <laughs> Certainly on offense. I know you, you've been definitely commenting on the all the business decisions he's been making on the yeah. defensive end. So it's not there was a few posterized. Yeah. Um, but the question is, like, can he actually improve on that end as he's you know, he's changed his mindset on offense? Can Thibs get him to, to change his, his mindset on defense to an extent? Um, and, you know, I'm not putting anything past Thibs at this point. Like he's been a magic worker. So um, I, I think it's possible on the on the Mitch point. I mean, I don't know that he ever has to be even necessarily all that close to Gobert because I think a lot of his value comes on that. The idea of him being switchable and like being able to be a, move his feet on the yeah. perimeter much more so than Gobert does, um, which is valuable. But it's not like the Knicks are running a super switch heavy scheme. No, they're not. They they so, don't want like we've seen Mitch repeatedly in situations where his man gets out on the perimeter and he's like he keeps a foot in the paint. He does not like with some exceptions, like he, he knows where he has to be and he is staying there and he's staying down. And he's like, that's, he knows what his job is. Maybe that changes though. I guess that's what I was kind of getting at before. Like long-term, like he Tibbs, whatever he's doing, it's groundwork for something that theoretically in time will get bigger and better. I just, you know, I'm more thinking of like from a theoretical perspective, is it worth it to lay the groundwork for this? I think the answer is yes. I think this personnel, and this is maybe a good time to get into a discussion of like, you know, Randall and and his long-term possibilities here. Um, I think maybe that's different. Cause I, I just, I don't know where, where, so four games in, where are you at on the uh, build a statue for Julius Randall um, sliding scale where, you know, and I don't even know what's on the other end at this point. I mean, there's a couple different ways to look at it. First of all, there's no way he's going to continue this three point shooting or even some of these mid range step backs he's been hitting. It's, it's not sustainable, but 
the nice part is like, it doesn't have to be for yeah. him to be a plus player. Like just the fact that his mindset has changed so much. And, yep. you know, I was, I was doing a little research myself cause I was thinking about writing it, but you know, yesterday your, your newsletter just really hit it out of the park. And I was like, all right, okay. Like it, it is kind of that, uh, did you ever see that South Park episode where the Simpsons did it? It's like, I, I, everything. Oh my God. No. How did I miss no? that? <laughs> well, that the, sounds the great thing was like Simpsons did it. That's how it is with, with you. It's like, you're writing every single day. So it's like, ah, oh, Macri did it. Macri did it. But, I'm sorry. Um, my bad. <laughs> no, all good. All good. But I mean, just you look at Randall's, just his whole mindset on the offensive end has changed. And, and I know I, I have a bunch of stats here to back that up. Um, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's clear as day. I, I think that like the biggest one has been out of drives this year. Like, so last season he passed on 31% of his drives this year. He's passing through four games. I know blah, blah, blah. He's passing on double that 62% of his drives. He's passing out of, <laughs> Holy and shit. That's, that's, a, that's a great stat. It is right. And this would have gone in an article if you didn't No, It's all good. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no. But um, he actually leads the league uh, among high volume drivers in the, the passing percentage. It's, it's absolutely nuts. He, he kind of have a, has a similar uh, stat jump in post passing as well. He's passing much more out of the post-ups. It's, it's pretty crazy. So it, it's nice when the stats back up the eye test, he's just so much more giving and, and benevolent this year. Like <laughs> maybe, so it's the, maybe it's the holiday season that has gotten into him. I wonder, but as you much, know, as much I, I said it on, on locked on Knicks. I've said it on, on um, talking Knicks as well, that I was really worried coming into this with him being in effectively a contract year, just him trying to get his and not worrying so much about development, but it, it's so nice that, this has been positively reinforced that the way he's playing now has just been lauded by media and fans. Everyone is just like loving what he's doing and he's doing it the right way. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's, it's reinforcing this kind of play, which is the best thing that could possibly happen to the Knicks in a season where we just want to see growth and development from our young guys. That was priority number one. And, you know, Randall has kind of overshadowed the fact that we haven't gotten to see Toppin or quickly yeah. and RJ Barrett has been struggling from the field, but, you know, has been, has improved in other areas as well. But, you know, if, if you'd have told Knicks fans that like before the season started, that, that Randall's the Randall bright spot. is the bright spot. I think a lot of people have been like, I've, I'm a tune out. No, thanks. <laughs> but it, it, it's been the opposite effect. Like this has been really fun to watch and like the Knicks are winning some games. It's, it's been very cool. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you know, if the, if the goal is to be a great team, which we're God knows how many steps away from that, um, Randall, Julius Randall is, is, is going to be coming off your bench, right? Because he, if, if it is one of two roles, right? It's this role, which for as great as this is, um, this is not something that like your ceiling is capped. If, if this is how you're, you're running your offense through Julius Randall, I don't know how else to say it. Um, or, you know, you're just, you're kind of putting him out there as, a guy who doesn't have to make decisions and doesn't have to think and literally is just running and cutting and, and being a human bowling ball and putting the ball in, in the hoop. Um, and, and that's again, a, a lesser option. So yeah, I'll be curious to see what they do. I, I, I avoided having this conversation with Jeremy um, on Sunday's pod and I don't want to get too far into it, but like, I'm going to be fascinated to see how they approach this because I, I, I think getting back to the defense part of the conversation. I just don't know what your ceiling is going to be as a defense. If, if Julius Randall is playing big minutes for you, I think we've, that's one thing where I'm not sure we've seen a real, a real change. And I don't think that's his fault. I just think he's like, he's not that fleet of foot. His awareness isn't great when he has to make like a quick, like, Oh, wait a minute. There's nobody guarding this guy right over here. Let me jump over there. Like, that's just that that's not Julius Randall's, it's not in his bag. So I don't know. I, I'll be, if he, if he continues at like 85 to 90% of this level of production, you have to think they could get something good for him. Right. Like. I would think so. Um, if that's the, the goal, I'm, I'm curious to see what will happen there as well. But I mean, like you said, if Randall will be playing minutes with Toppin, it's like, who do you want kind of playing the four and who's the nominal five? Like who's actually your rim protector there. It's, it, it's not I a great option. Topping. That's the thing is he can get tall and vertical and, and his leaping abilities there. And he has to be a high motor guy to, to, you know, as a rookie into just 
make an impression. Like he's going to have to be playing with a lot of energy. Randall can, you know, he can conserve energy sometimes. He's kind of <laughs> earned so that polite. <laughs> you are so polite. <laughs> but, but look, I will say I was very concerned about the Randall top and fit. I mean, particularly, I mean, defense, we all know, but even on offense, just because I was worried that it would just relegate Toppin to a pick and pop three point shooter. And I just didn't. And that's not that, what you drafted him for. It, it, or if you did, be. then you, you're a fucking idiot. So then you made them respect. right. Yeah. So if, if Randall can continue hitting threes at any kind of rate, I mean, right now he's hitting, I'm looking at 67% of his threes. That's it's not going to continue. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't have to say that, but um, like if he can continue to, to hit some semblance of, of threes and, and just, you know, demand that attention from defenses, then that allows you to slot Toppin in as that, that sort of more rim running big and even just a, like a elbow, catch the ball at the elbow, make some nice passes. Like he's a very good passer. Both Randall and Toppin are very good passers for their positions. I, think, I gotta say, and I know I, I realize I'm saying this about a guy who's averaging whatever Randall's averaging a game, seven assists a game. I think Toppin's better passer, not long-term. I think Toppin is the better passer today in terms of his vision in terms of his ability to pass on the move, like I'm, that's been the one thing. Like for all of the sky is falling stuff about Toppin, and I there may be some validity to some of that. Um, his playmaking is just like, oh god, I love it. That's what's it's really, been. It's, it really has been tremendous. I would say that like Randall is just so much better at drawing attention and having yes. defenses collapse on him, so he's yeah. able to use his passing more. Yes, but I think as far as just raw straight up vision. And uh, and just you know innate passing ability, I would agree with that. That Toppin is is better. I, I guess I'm thinking again. We're we're we're. Oh, I always get ahead of myself with this stuff. But if you're thinking long term, and, and again, the team kind of has to start to think long term because you know Randall's value arguably will never be higher than it is right now. Um, like I, and this is my cold take. My cold take is that Obi Toppin ceiling. First of all, you have to decide: is it worth investing? Or is it worth rejiggering your future around his ceiling, which they took him with the eighth pick in the draft a month and a half ago. So I have to think to a certain extent that they are thinking about rejiggering their future around his ceiling. That's one. Two, I think his ceiling is as a guy who, if he's playing 35 minutes in a playoff game, um, 20 of those are coming at center. And you figure out how to make that feasible. And I'm not saying that's easy. But that's where that's where I'm at. And then like regular season Toppin is more like, okay, he's maybe five to ten minutes at center. And then, you know, the rest of the time you're playing him alongside, you know, whatever, Mitch or someone else. So I, I guess, you know, but I I to what you, you what you were saying before reminded me of this in terms of getting Toppin in situations where he could be optimally used. Because the one thing that has stood out for me on offense for him, aside from the passing, is just more than RJ Barrett, even that dude needs room to work. And the, if you give him room, you're going to get, I think you're going to get results. And I don't think he's had room yet. He's definitely not had room. I mean, granted, we're looking at like a one game sample. We're, we're factoring in some preseason stuff too. Um, but, but even said, that was enough for me. Like you could say, and maybe he's not asserting himself yet. Maybe that'll change things. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, seven, three point attempts to, to just, five, two point, that's not the ratio we're looking for with him. So um, no. yeah, he definitely wasn't, we can agree he wasn't used correctly, but uh, yeah, I agree with your point on the, on the room. It's just, you know, what kind of, if we're sort of conceding that he can't be a rim protecting big for big minutes at this point, then he has to be playing with a Mitch or a Noel. And those guys are taking up the room where we want Toppin to be. So it is, it's a tricky fit. And that's what Thibodeau's getting paid the big bucks for. <laughs> Like, well, what about four, four, uh, a big, big pick and roll with three shooters, which then maybe that's a good transition into the conversation about, okay, um, who else should be playing minutes for this team? And um, two guys we've seen a lot of so far, although one of them missed the last game is Alec Burks. Uh, I was going to say Alec Burks and Reggie Bullock. For like, I think a lot of Nick fans, myself included, were like, eh, maybe Bullock will be part of the rotation this year. Maybe he won't be. Like, Reggie Bullock's playing. He's going to be playing like 30 minutes a night for a while, I think. And I think they need him to. And I think the same could be said of Alec Burks. What are, where are you at on those, on those two guys who are kind of similar? Yeah. I mean, they're two way guys who can, who can shoot. And the, like, that's 
pretty, they're pretty few and far between on this Knicks roster. Um, yeah, I, I'd say part of me coming into the season was a little lower on Bullock. I thought that that Frank could kind of provide that that shooting if he if he got better. Um, Frankie flamethrower, but what is he now? He's is yeah. he four? Uh, well, he hit the four the other night. He had one uh, last night, so he's five for. I want to say he's five for nine, maybe five for ten, something like that from deep. Oh, he's on fire! It's, it's, and that's what's been <laughs> making the game so much fun to watch too. But yeah. I mean, Bullock's he's hitting from everywhere and he's, he's earned it. Like he, he played a ton of minutes last night and you know, there was a reason why he was, he was very necessary out there. And the, and the Burks, I would say is even a little different in that. Um, I mean, coming into the season again, I didn't watch a whole lot of Burks and his several other stops before he got to the Knicks, but um, he is so good at just pulling up off the dribble, like in yeah. pick and roll. Uh, I wouldn't say Bullock is, is any kind of pick and roll player, but Alec Burks can, you've talked about it a little bit before, like partially run an offense. He can lend a hand in being that primary initiator because he is just such a, a good pull-up jump shooter. It's, it's pretty wild. Um, I, we, that was, that's been a huge, uh, you know, bugaboo for the Knicks over the past several seasons is not having someone who can just I was about to say the complete lack of a pick and roll game, <laughs> complete lack of pick and roll and someone who can pull up and, and, you know, hit a three if someone goes under and, and Alec Burks is that guy. And, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be a must-have in a lot of these lineups just for the for his spacing and his shooting, but also his his creating. Yeah, I um, I I don't know how much it's going to happen, but so you know, if you're looking at the question, always comes back to shooting, 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 shooting. So you have you have Burks is probably top of the list. Um, I, I I'm still putting Bullock uh, in front of Knox. I know I don't even know what Knox is. I, I don't I don't really pay attention to the numbers. It feels like Knox has taken a step with his shot this season. It looks good. I feel good when it comes out of his hands. Maybe that's just me because I want to be high on him. <laughs> but um, he's I don't know. The, like those are your top three. Uh, put putting quickly aside for a second, who I think is kind of in his own category. We're going to wait to see with him. Like those are your three guys who who provide, who can like when you say space the floor. Like those are your three guys we're talking about, right? Yeah, and I would say with with Knox, he kind of hurt me a little bit last season just because I think he was at that. He hurt a lot of people. <laughs> he was at that forty percent mark early through through. I want to say maybe seven games. He was like still had a really nice three point percentage, and I remember like telling my friends like this guy could get to 40% and then he just completely tanked it last year. But so I, I still kind of had my guard up with Knox though, you know, his shot always has looked pretty. It has a lot of arc on it, maybe too much arc, but um, I, I think the biggest difference with him is he just looks so much more comfortable and like the game has slowed down a little bit for him. Cause yes. even last year, even when he was hitting shots, it always looked like he was just so overwhelmed by all the actions swirling around him. And, and this year mm-hmm. he looks People have noted it. he looks like an NBA player. He looks comfortable. He looks more confident, which leads me to believe that that three point percentage will be more sustainable. He is hitting forty percent on two and a half attempts per game. So hey, listen, let's keep it right there. Let's... Yeah, no need to further delve into that. Um, like, <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that, but as far as your floor spacers, that is. I mean, RJ has just he, he's, a very, willing, he's a very willing. He's a very willing three point shooter. Am I worried? Um, Honestly, we're, we're no, all friends here. I, I feel like we it's so unfair to be four games into the regular season and say I'm worried about him. Um, it's not not him. In, in, I'm not worried about him. The, the shot is, is, I mean, listen, sometimes you're, and listen, if, if Jimmy Butler is his eventual outcome, we should all be dancing in the streets. But sometimes you're Jimmy Butler and you're just like, you're 25% three-point shooter for your career. And, and I think DeMar DeRozan could be maybe even a little bit closer. Uh, yeah. But, but, like, look, what a leap he's made at the free throw line. Like, the fact that that, ta- that looks like it's yeah. for real to me. I mean, there's, I, been, I there's been a lot of attempts. He looks very confident up there. He's hitting 78% now. Which matters so much for him because that oh I be- truly believe. And I know they're playing him at the three, and I think it's going to be easier for him to get to the line that's the one. Well, let's actually let me ask you, where do you see his because I think his ideal position on offense and defense may be different answers, but at least on offense, because when he's at the two, he has these smaller guys guarding him and you saw him in every game this season. I feel like at least one possession he's taken. So like last last night, it was Sexton where he took him down to the post and just he he got him to bite. 
Yeah. And he, and he got to the line, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause there were actually a couple of, I, I was a little critical on Twitter of RJ's post game, just cause I, I felt like he was relying so much on his size. Like he, there was very limited, uh, just very little in the way of footwork or, or creativity down there. It was just kind of like turnover right shoulder and just go up. And there were a couple of times where Sexton actually just kind of like stonewalled him. And I, that, that worried me just cause you know, if he throws a little bit of a, just a up and under or just like a little bit of a, a, a pump fake action, it's just, he did, he didn't, he wasn't doing a lot. He was just like, that was one instance where I wish he just calmed down and, and was he like, used to watch patient. tape of DeRozan. Yeah, I mean, DeRozan's Watch tape of DeRozan every day. Unreal. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with that. I, I think that Barrett has a long way to go as far I think, I think he has a high ceiling as a, as a post player. And and like you said, against twos, that would obviously be more more useful. Um, yeah, it, it it is tricky with him. Like, is he going to be a He's guy? such a strange fit. That's, the th- that's why when people are like, you hate R.J. Barrett. I'm like, I don't hate R.J. Barrett. I just have trouble... Being like, okay, here is his perfect fit in the modern game. And every time I try to answer that question, I come up against some impediment or like, you know, it's like, okay, great. You put him at the two. Okay. So then that takes some shooting off the floor at a position where traditionally you have some shooting on the floor. So it's like, you know, all right, put him at the three. Well, now bigger guys are guarding him. And it's not like he has the speed to beat those guys, you know, into the paint, which then gets to your point about he just needs to be craftier, which hopefully that comes, you know, He's playing like straight Mori ball at this point where I, and really he's 56% of his shots are coming at the rim. That's in the hundredth percentile among, uh, among wings. He was in the 88th or 85th or something last year. It was, it was well, high last at, year. Yeah. Look at cleaning the glass. It was 92nd. Like this dude is just okay. getting Better. to the rim. Um, but last year he also took a, a fair amount of, of, of mid range shots. This year he's hardly taken any, just 4% of his shots coming from long mid range. Um, I don't know. To me, he just because he's been really struggling at finishing around the basket, like he's in the twenty fourth percentile in uh, in finishing well, his, his shots. Higher than last year, I think last year was was twelfth. It, it was it was just yeah a little bit lower. But I shouldn't laugh. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I do think he needs to develop that that mid range game because like if the three point shot isn't going to come around quite yet, if that's just going to take more work, that's fine. But he has to like be able to pull up and just not, he can't just keep barreling into towards the rim and um, like against set defenses and, and not getting and you, good looks, you know what and I mean? It, it, it annoys me to a certain extent when everybody's like, well, the answer is more spacing, just give more spacing. And then RJ is going to turn into whatever they think he's going to turn. Like that's not, some of this has to be on him. He it'll help, but I, again, yes, it, it'll, it'll help. It'll help. Yes, it'll but. also help if he just uh, uh, sometimes a clean fifteen foot look is better than like, yeah. Especially with with this roster, like the fact that there isn't the spacing, like he has to develop that mid range game because he can only play with what he's given and just barreling into these defenses that are completely set and packing the paint. Like he, sometimes he needs to pull up and and uh, hit that fifteen footer and. He looked pretty comfortable doing it uh, earlier, and I just I just want to see him do more of it because you know at, at some point that shooting could potentially translate to, to behind the arc too. He just has to get that confidence going because right now, looking at a shot chart, it is dark blue. It is it is not what no, you want. No, it's not. It is not what you want. And I completely my favorite shot of his all year was when he came um, off of um, uh, it was a uh, oh god the set that the Thunder always used to run the the two two screens um, on the side of the court two two yep. big setting screens, um, and he 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 just drained it. It was so smooth. I think it might have been even the preseason, but I think it was had, preseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a couple of those. Um, I mean, like I'm yeah. I, I kind of get painted as this analytics guy, and and so you'd think I would hate mid range mid range basketball. But like I actually personally, when I play, I, I try and play a lot. I'm I live in the mid range. I'm not a Look big you. like. <laughs> Like I, I'm so I have such a soft spot to like DeRozan. I know like he's so anti. I think I wrote an article a couple of years ago just about just about how he's actually a much analytically a better player than people give him credit for because he gets the rim so much. He hits his his free throws. And, That's a uh, Hall of Famer. He's a NBA Hall of Famer. This is not a question. Hey. He's a Hall of Famer. Hey, you and, said the Knicks, it. and the Knicks, and the Knicks could have drafted him and, and they took Jordan Hill. Look, it's, it's, it's <clears> not haunting me, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. But um, Tobias Harris is haunting you. Um, 
the uh, anyway, mm. the mid range game is is so necessary for for a player of of his type. Like we see it with with the Kawhis and, and guys like and Jimmy yes. Butler. Like no, you need it. It's he it's, needs it. And like if if the three point shot, if he's not he's not going to get that respect this year. I want him to keep taking them. I want him to keep you know building that. So but, do I. but he needs that mid range in the arsenal, and I want to see it. Um, let's uh, let's finish up by talking about um, some well. Let's. I'm gonna go. We'll go one last direction and and two two different uh, arms or forks, I guess, in, in the road. Um, we have Emmanuel quickly, who has not played since the first half of uh, opening night, and we have Frank Nilakina, who is um, who is out for. Uh, by the time you listen to this, he will he will have already uh, missed the game that he's going to miss against the the Raptors. Um, so, I feel like. You know, Frank, listen, I can, I've caught so much shit in the last few weeks because people think I've turned on Frank and I haven't. It's just about like I have I have put my trust in this coaching staff and it's like if they're seeing whatever they're seeing and they're like, all right, this person deserves to be the X number man in the rotation. I'm not going to be I'm not going to raise hell. OK, so um, I, I will ask you, I guess, two part question to and we'll, we'll finish up with this. Where are you on Frank from what you've seen this season? Um, do, do you like what you've seen? Do you love what you've seen? Do you hate what you've seen? And when quickly is ready to return, which again, maybe he plays um, by the time people are listening to this because uh, we're recording this before that Raptor game. Um, do you think it's just, it's as simple as like, all right, quickly is quickly is going to be in the rotation and inevitably Frank is going to be the one to drop out. Or do you see a scenario where, where that changes? Well, I think that, Given Frank's the last couple of games, he's actually had an opportunity, especially that this last game um, where he played 16 minutes against the Cavs. Like it, it did feel like, I mean, he just, really in the game before that too, obviously when he went four for four from three, yeah. um, he's been making the most of these opportunities. I think um, you could quibble with this last game against the Cavs where he, he maybe passed up some, some shots he should have taken. And, and Mike Breen, I think called him out. Yeah. Um, at least once for doing so. But I mean, when he has taken them, he's looked super smooth and, yeah. and, and no hesitation. Right. Um, I, I know there was one when the shot clock was winding down and he didn't really have much of a choice, but I mean, it was, there was no thinking twice about it. He put it up, he drilled it. Um, he, he's shooting what 56% from three on, on, you know, certainly limited attempts, but it's funny. He's become the anti Tony Parker, who is his countryman. Tony Parker for half of his career, just like refused to take any shot outside of what? 10, 15 feet. Right. Um, and Frank is like, it's like, there's a force field around, you know, he's not getting to the rim. That's for sure. Yeah. So he's, he's no. five and nine from three on the season. Then just one of five from two. Yeah. Um, he only hit, he's only hit one out of three free throws, which was surprising when he was That's chosen so to be the, the, technical foul free throw shooter last night. That was kind of strange, but yeah. um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a sucker for Frank. I know I, I've another guy I've got a soft so spot I. for like um, <laughs> you want to, you want an automatic way to do numbers on Nick's Twitter is put a, put out a tweet of Frank, uh, just any hustle play of Frank Nielakina. I put one out yesterday. It was probably like the best tweet, best performing tweet I've ever had. Like it was just him stopping a transition attempt from the Cavs he basically stopped the ball and then sprinted out to the corner and cut off the bit, cut Sexton off on the baseline. And I mean, it was an incredible defensive play. He basically guarded two people at once in transition. There was one I was going to put out from Milwaukee where he was um, digging into the paint and the ball kicked out to a three point shooter and he fucking jetted out there as fast as he could and got like a hand in whoever the shooter's face was and the shooter missed. Um, I, I should have, I should have tweeted that out myself so I could have gotten some Go viral so with it, Mac. Go viral. I mean, <laughs> look, he's. I tweeted something. Hold on, I tweeted a clip out. I, we're, this is it all in real time. I tweeted yeah. to promote the newsletter before a, a, a little GIF of Frank um, drawing an offensive foul in the fourth quarter. On, um, I think he uh, he was chasing around. Uh, um, what's his uh, Garland? Um, let's 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 see how I let's see how how that one did. Maybe yeah. maybe this will prove prove our thing. But anyway, keep going. I'm wondering how many new subs you got after that because like, I double. I think I probably did, seventy likes. There we go. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, he's a he's like a fan favorite, but also there there were just people arguing in my mentions about him too because he doesn't look at the rim enough. And 
you know, that's just, he, he kind of is who he is at this point. That's sort of his personality. He's not going to be this hyper-aggressive player, but no. um, and when he went four for four from three, he was pulling up off a of pick and roll. And um, I, I don't expect that, you know, the game was kind of out of hand at that point, or at least getting there, there wasn't a whole lot of pressure for him to perform. Um, but look, that's, it's still what you want to see. I just, I really hope that Frank can at least get like 12 minutes or so in the rotation, a game. Like I just think what he does is valuable. He, he does do some nice um, distributing out of pick and roll. He, he moves the ball like, and, and on defense, he's just, he's very smart. He's great at closing out. He keeps his hands up. He's always trying to get deflections. Um, I would, I would just say that so far he has made, maybe not the most, but a lot out of his opportunities, no, I, particularly the last two games. I think he's earned some time um, to continue doing what he's doing. I mean, this team will will 1,000% be worse and a lot worse if this happens. But, you know, if if there is a Julius Randle trade scenario where they pick up a draft asset and Randle goes out, top and slots into the starting four, you put Knox at the backup four, and then um, – you essentially have a, a wing slash guard rotation then becomes your two, your two shooters that we just talked about before Bullock and Burks, RJ, um, Frank, um, quickly and, and, and Austin rivers. And you, you know, send Peyton, you know, the way of the dinosaur. Um, I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of fans want that that 10 man grouping i think i think there's there's an argument for that 10 man grouping except for the fact that like randall again is drawing so much gravity i don't know like that would be really really a really tough pill to to swallow um but who knows we'll we'll, I mean, we'll see we'll see what happens if you had to place money on it right now do you think that randall finishes the season with the Knicks? oh goodness um i'm not usually not usually stunted into silence on my own podcast <laughs> Um. Mm, yes, uh, I think he finishes the season with the Knicks because, and I'll, I'm sure I'll do a deep dive on this at some point soon, um, sooner than it probably warrants being a deep dive done on it. But 19 uh, point, no, sorry, it's not 19.8 this year. It's 19.8 next year. 18.9 this year um, is not the easiest salary to move. And I know you're not as, you're, you're, you're more on the actual basketball of basketball than the behind, you know, the, the cap stuff of basketball. So I won't, I won't bore you getting into like the machinations of it, but like, I, they're just, there's just, you know, aren't you know a, me well, Macri. Yeah. As soon as people start talking like trade exceptions, you see my eyes gloss over. I'm, I'm just not, I don't have that legal uh, side to me. I just, I don't know. Cause they're going to, if, if this, again, let's assume, like you said, it doesn't need to be this, but it, it, you know, whatever percentage of this and it maintains and the mentality stays the way it is, um, they're going to want, they're not just going to give them away. They're going to want something real. And um, I just don't know. Again, who thinks that forget about who thinks that they're a Julius Randall away from winning a championship. Who thinks that they're a Julius Randall away from winning a playoff series? Because I think that matters to a lot of franchises out there. Um, and, but even that I, I'm not sure who that team is that also has a, the salary to send back and b the asset to send back. Um, so there's just, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, yeah. So if I had to bet on it right now, I would bet that he would finish the year in New York. Um, but that he would be, my guess would be traded over the summer would again, would, would, okay. would, would be my guess. We'll see. Um, well, let's finish up really, really quick on quickly. Um, I know we only saw him in preseason. Are you on the irrational excitement scale? Um, where, where are you at in terms of wanting to see him and, and what he could do and, and all that stuff? So I remember watching a lot of Kentucky tape and, um, I was mostly watching for Maxi because I thought that was kind of the guy who was in the Knicks range potentially. And like, quickly did impress me. Like there's no doubt about it. He was kind of the, the more of the leader, Maxi being a freshman. Yeah. Um, I, I liked what I saw it quickly. I wasn't sure if he would just be like too small or, or what kind of what his problem would be, but he, I mean, he looked really good in preseason. The one game he played, like he just, 
he belongs. Like there's no question about it. He can, he feels comfortable. He looks like someone who has always been the best player on like every team and just carries himself with that. Like he's yeah. always, he carries himself like a point guard, like he's in control. Um, and it's just, it's infectious. Like, I think, I think the guys feed off of that and uh, he's going to be an important part of this rotation. Um, I think, I mean, Alfred Payton has sort of, after all the, the Knicks fans were calling for his head, like he's well, really stepped up. And now I think he's kind of cemented that starting position, just the, the veteran leadership and um, kind of what he brings. I, I, I think, I think he has too, but we should note for, for, for the record uh, for, for all the legal minds out there that Alfred Payton had a game where he shot 12 of 16 from the field and he is still shooting under 50% for the year. So right. no, you don't want to have the, the, the past two games kind of, I mean, really he, he played really well in the fourth quarter last night. Um, what do you have like 10, 10 points in the fourth? Like he, he had a very nice fourth quarter. I, I will say that I, on one hand, I do not think they win that game without him. The, the Cavs game where I keep forgetting this pods dropping two days after we're recording it. Um, but on the other hand, he also had a thing, that, a, a moment where it's like, this is not the first time we've seen something like this from him where he inbounded the ball to, or sorry, the ball was inbounded to him. And he passed it over to Randall. And he, what, not, not before he held on to the ball himself for three or four seconds and then yeah. passed it to Randall, who yeah. had a man draped all over him. No, look, I'm not some Alfred Payton like uh, supporter in any way. I just think that he's kind of, I, I think Tibbs trusts him. And I, I do I think too. That, I think that I he's going to be the starter. And I think that quickly will be the backup point guard and he'll play backup point guard minutes. And I think. I think that second unit is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think I'll be really excited to watch that second unit um, yeah. kind of come together and um, quickly is going to be a huge part of that. No question. His shooting is going to, the three point shooting, I think is going to really come around. I know the numbers haven't really been there through his preseason and first game, but that doesn't bother me in any way. Yeah. Um, he's just, he's got the right mindset and he's going to, he's like an attacking point guard, which the Knicks have needed for a long time. So um, he's that guy. He's a high energy, high character guy. And so, uh, yeah, that I'm 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 in on quickly. I, you know, is my irrational? I'm not like an, a ten. I'm not like start this. Well, I'd like to see him start. Sure, I don't think he will start. Um, but you know, he's he's a guy. We got a guy. Like that's that's really exciting. We got a guy. We got a guy. No, you're. You, I'm just. Uh, that's a good place to end. I'm so happy you said it because that's the thing about that. And it was a preseason game against guys who will never play meaningful minutes in the NBA in their lives. But he came out and he just grabbed it by the grabbed it by the cojones. And he's like, this is I'm getting this chance. I'm going to run with it. And I'm not. Yeah, and yeah. And it looks he's he looked the chip, part. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got the right mentality. Like he's gonna, he's got he's going to stay in this league. That's for sure. Like he's, there's no other alternative. <sighs> for him. You know, we, you know, I'll be curious. We'll, we'll do another one of these in a, a month or so. Uh, I'll be curious where we're at then, because this team really. I know we started it with some doom and gloom with the with the defense being fake, but this team really has a chance to not with this roster, but if they're smart with their asset management, they have a chance to to to, to try to put this thing on the right track. And I'm just now now you got me thinking what like what if, I talk myself into it, but if they do the right thing, if they if they are able to do something with Randall, even if it's not before the trade deadline, even if it's this summer. And to try to open some of this stuff up, um, I, I don't know. I'm 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 excited about where it's headed. Um, Tom, um, we talked about it a lot already, but can you just remind the folks at home where they could where they could find you and your and your stuff? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Piccolo, not Piccolo. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then yeah, you can read me at uh, at Daily Knicks. I'm contributing there. Um, I'll be contributing to Knicks Film School as well, which I'm very excited about. And you can follow uh, Talkin' Knicks, the, the podcast I co-host, and the John Boy Media Network. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Talkin' Knicks. So that's all my plugs. Nothing else? No, nothing else to plug? That's all I got. Um, go get though. vaccinated. I got <laughs> Yes. Uh, go, go get vaccinated uh, if, if you can. And in the meantime, uh, wear a mask and be safe. And uh, everybody, oh wait, we're this. This is coming out on New Year's Day, so I guess, um, I guess, uh, yeah, because today's it's coming on New Year's Day. So I hope everybody had a happy and safe New Year's Eve, and uh, you are 
getting over your hangovers. Are you, well, let's finish there. What are you doing on New Year's Eve? I will be visiting my brother and, and his family in West Hartford. We'll be, we'll be doing it all the safe way, but uh, yeah, I'll be seeing my, uh, my one-year-old niece and we'll, uh, we'll be ringing in the new year with them. So very excited to, to spend a little family time. That's very nice. How about you? Um, I, I mentioned this um, on, on the halftime uh, Zoom the other day. Um, we are very excited to go get some very good uh, Peking duck for takeout and bring that home. We're going to eat it before the game. Then I'll watch the game. And then uh, my wife and I will probably promptly fall asleep at, uh, I don't know, 1030 is my guess. No ball dropping this year. Good Uh, riddance. riddance. (laughs) I was, I was about to make a joke about the only balls that drop in this house are, but I'm not going to finish that sentence because this is a family show. I shouldn't set you up like that. That's on me. It is on you. I blame you. I blame you. Um, Tom Piccolo. I got it. Nailed it. Uh, is awesome. If you're for some reason not following Tom, um, please correct that. He's he really I, I mean, I know I compliment everybody who comes on this show, but Tom, like he's he's the smartest guy on Nick's Twitter. Um, you're going to be you're going to be smarter if you follow him. You're going to be smarter if you read him. Go do that. And uh, to everybody else, again, I hope you had a happy new year and we will be back with you with another episode very soon. Yeah.